Deeply Discussing Movie Podcast. Every week we discuss a movie and then one of us suggests the next movie for us to watch and discuss. All the movies that we do are available from the major streaming services so that you can participate with us. I'm your host, Dale Maxfield. I'm joined this week by Christine Deacon. Hello. Josh Dean. Hi there. And Zach Rowland. Hey. And today's suggestion came from Zach. It is... Christopher Guest's 2006 film, For Your Consideration. Uh, but first, we'll talk about what we've been watching lately. Christine, what have you been watching lately? Um, I have watched a couple of... Um, oh my gosh, her name just escaped me. <laughs> um, I watched Inside Miranda Daisy Clover. July. No, no, <laughs> no. Um, Inside Daisy Clover and Penelope. Um. I cannot remember the actress's name for the life of me off the top of my head right now. Um, and then I watched uh, the documentary on uh, female comics on FX, Hysterical, which was great. Um, and then uh, I rewatched uh, Weakness is the Brand, the new, the newest um, Maria Bamford stand-up. That was oh, really okay. great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, is that on Netflix? It was on Amazon Prime. Okay. I free. need to check that yeah. out because I'm a big fan of hers. Yeah, she's amazing. Um, uh, is Natalie Wood who you're trying to come up yes, with? Yes, that's what okay. it was. <laughs> I don't know why her name just escaped me. I had to look it up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then I watched uh, two She's different... still floating around out there somewhere. Wow. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> That's that's why it escaped me. <laughs> um, and then I watched uh, two different uh, Mitchell and Webb series, uh, Back and The Ambassadors. Uh, the their newest one, Back, uh, it's very good, very much. Right on. Yeah, um, they never did arrest anybody or or really catch anybody for that, and the. Uh, <laughs> The other witness that was there, he's still walking. So he is. <laughs> um, okay, I've gotten oh, my Natalie God. Wood jokes out of the way. Um, Josh, how about you? What have you been watching lately? Well, uh, I finally took your suggestion and watched uh, Sound of Metal and was uh, blown away. Man, such a good movie. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. Um, and uh, after Jessica Walters passed away, uh, watched Play Misty for me. The uh, mm-hmm. yeah, the Clint Eastwood movie, um, yeah, very entertaining. Uh, she, I don't know if if you guys have seen it, but um, she plays kind of a psycho stalker to Clint Eastwood's uh, hip jazz DJ, and uh, it's the first Which time. Sounds so bizarre, right? Yeah, I, I've never seen Clint Eastwood without a gun in a movie. Dig I think, it, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to play some sultry tunes through the night yeah and uh yeah he has a one night stand with her and she just will not let him go and uh it gets pretty psychotic by the end um but a great performance by jessica walters uh and my friend also showed me a mission impossible episode she was in uh that was pretty good um but I skipped out on Streets of San Francisco, uh, another guest spot she was doing, because I don't know anything about that show, and I refuse to learn. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, but anyway, it was a uh, it it's been good. Otherwise, um, been watching Invincible on Amazon Prime. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, pretty faithful to the comic book, which I'm a big fan of. Uh, very gory, very very gory, um, and uh, not for children, but uh, but a really good cartoon. Right on. Well, I have watched very little other than. Um, uh, Putting stuff on to sort of just stare at because um, I'm in kind of a weird, exhausted place. Um, but I uh, I ended up rewatching a whole bunch of the Joe Bob Briggs last drive in show on Shudder um, was watching the stuff that's still up there on demand. Um, a lot of season one stuff. I just kind of decided I'm not going to be picky or choosy about which ones I go to. I'm just going to kind of watch them again in order. Um, Cause I've been through, I think every episode of best of the worst, like six times this month already. So it's like, let's change it up. Let's watch something different. And um, there were a couple of movies that I watched through that I either had forgotten about um, because I had watched them at like 1am when they originally aired and just what didn't think about them that much. Or there were movies that, even after seeing it, looking at the at the description, I thought this isn't a movie I would really like. But then I watched it again. And I was like, oh, yeah, this movie's awesome. So there were two that I wanted to bring up. One is The Changeling from 1980 with George C. Scott. Um, it is uh, I would say it, it 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 doesn't quite fall into the horror category like most of the Joe Bob stuff does. It's much more of a mystery um, you know, haunted house kind of movie. Um, but there are like, you know, some jump scares and things like that that happen in it. Um, but just a really interesting story. Um, lots of twists and turns, uh, where you think it's going for the first half is not really where it goes. And, um, it's on the, it's on the longer side for a horror movie too, which is why it doesn't really kind of fit so well like it's almost two hours long and so it's very much you know feels like an adaptation of a novel um more than more than just like a you know basic haunted house movie um and the other one was a new zealand horror comedy called deathgasm which is essentially a cross between uh Shaun of the dead and this is spinal tap so you've got like a, a bunch of New Zealand kids that start a metal band. And the plot of the movie is that um, some metal idol of theirs has this one last album and the, the kid gets the album from him and they open it up and it's, it's something stupid. Like uh, they open it up and it's like the Muppet movie soundtrack. It's not like the album that they thought it was going to be but these pages fall out and the pages are of the black hymn. And if you play the notes of the black hymn and chant the Latin that goes along with it, you summon the Lord of demons and he makes you powerful beyond your wildest dreams. So they do this in order to get back at the bullies in high school that, that have been terrorizing them for the first act of the movie. Um, and much, much gore and carnage ensues. Um, it's very funny. Um, it's, uh, um, 
not just because it's from New Zealand, but it also has a bit of a, you know, what we do in the shadows kind of feel to it as well. Um, and uh, it just hilarious, like, you know, dum dums in a metal band um, fighting off, fighting off demons and, uh, and, and d- terrorizing the neighborhood. So it was, that was a pretty fun, pretty fun movie. Zach, how about you? Um, yeah, some things that I've been indulging in. Uh, start with some TV shows first. Um, there's a new show on HBO Max called The Nevers. Um, and uh, it's kind of another sci-fi. Uh, people have powers. Um, they call them the touched. Um, you know, one of those ventures. Um, it's good so far. I'm enjoying <laughs> it. I'm, uh, you know, I'm not like blown away by it. I watch a lot of this kind of stuff, so it takes a lot to really like reel me in with that kind of world. Yeah. Um, the touch so. just sounds weird to me after spending all this time in a rectory, but yeah, go ahead. <laughs> sure. Sure. Um, I, uh, I finally got through Manhunter on Netflix, uh, Manhunter Deadly Games or whatever. It's like the, it's like the further ver- uh, story of Richard Jewell that goes beyond just Richard Jewell and the bombing in 96, but yeah. the guy who was actually the bomber, I didn't know anything about that. And it's yeah. just like, wow, there's all this other stuff around this one story, but like just didn't get as much or at least media attention from me. Um, but I, I thought the show was done really well. If it had a um, Mindhunter feel to it, which um, was a, a David Fincher. So uh, mm-hmm. I don't think he was involved with this one, but it just had that same feel, which really I was like, I could see this being like an anthology series or, you know, them doing something with that. Um, Cause Netflix is always looking for another way to make money. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, so yeah, I was feel, good. did Clint Eastwood do a movie about that as well? Yeah, he, did. he did. Yeah. yeah. So I watched that movie last, I believe, uh, Christmas or so. Okay. Uh, and I thought that it was fairly good. I just really enjoyed the fact that they extrapolated on more than Richard Jewell. There's episodes where he's not even in it, which is like, great. This is exactly how this should be. Yeah. It's 10 episodes long. Give me more story. So absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, finished that Q into the storm documentary on HBO about, uh, uh, QAnon. So uh, it just makes me so mad. Yeah. It just, especially cause of the, when like they finally tell you who Q is and you're like this, all of this stuff happened because of an idiot who just wanted to pretend to be something that he's not like, and then lie well, about yeah. it. <laughs> Ugh, dude, I was so mad. I was just like, this is insane. Um, so yeah, if you want to get real riled up, I recommend that one. Um, but then if you want to have real fun, go with Men in Kilts on Stars. Uh, it's a couple of the guys from uh, the uh, Outlander series, and mm. they're just going around Scotland and just having fun, eating stuff. Like it's like a parts unknown meets like um, I'm trying to think of like another sort of like like the foodie. trip. Yeah, like the trip. Yeah, I mean, just so many of those fun shows. But they just, but then the, the then here's the best part: they intercut um, scenes from Outlander. So like they're trying to get you to watch Outlander if you haven't seen oh, it. Oh, nice. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, okay, yeah. Now I want to watch this show. Uh, so now I got to get into some Outlander. Um, and then um, I went, I went hog on the popcorn movies uh recently because man there's just so many good ones coming out now finally we've been waiting for so long um 
But I did. Uh, I finally watched uh, Zombieland Double Tap. I hadn't seen that. It came out a little while ago, but um, mm-hmm. got around to watching that one. It's still pretty good, you know, for what it is. It's a crazy, funny zombie film. Um, and then I watched Godzilla vs. Kong multiple times because I'm just a sucker for it and love it and just couldn't get enough. I did see it in the theaters. I saw it in Dolby Cinema. Worth yeah. it. Oh, so good. Just to like the seats rumbling, that feel again of being like, yeah, this is exactly how you want to watch these kind of movies. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, yeah, that was fun. Uh, and then uh, just recently, just yesterday, Mortal Kombat popped out on HBO. I decided to view this one at home first. And if it was worth it, go and see it in the movie theater. I think I'm okay. I think I'm good. I'm good with the home viewing. Yeah, I haven't seen it yet, but I've heard lots of good things about it. Um, I think it came out like Friday or something. Yeah, um, I mean, it's it's not great. It's not bad. It's just it's Mortal Kombat. Like, is it better than the 1995 version? I would say there is a sensibility about it that already makes it better just by the casting alone. Uh, just yeah. the fact that they actually put people into the cast, like the guy who played Raiden was like a straight up white guy. And you're like in the 95 and you're like, it was Christopher Lambert. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) He's like, it wasn't he, didn't he do Highlander? Yeah. Yeah. That was the Highlander. (laughs) Highlander's Raiden. Get out of here. Yeah. Um, So I would say just in that alone. um, But I thought it was, I thought it was fun and, you know, very popcorny and lots of, uh, I I like the first Mortal Kombat movie. I like the 95 one. It's, it's cheesy, but it's fun and it follows the storyline of the game pretty, Mm -hmm. pretty well. Um, Annihilation is like one of the worst sequels ever made. It's absolute trash. Um, So I, you know, my hope was just that, you know, they would get somewhere in the ballpark of the 95 version and then just have it rated R for the extra, mm-hmm. you know, it's hard, I mean, it's hard to imagine that they made Mortal Kombat movies that weren't rated R, but they did. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. I'd say that, that, that this definitely hits the mark on that. Like it was enjoyable enough that it, if you like the 95, you'll probably like this one. And yes, there's a little bit more bloodshed, but yeah. um, different characters, few different characters. But other than that, if you know Mortal Kombat, you know, the characters. So, you know, just depends. Right on. Um, yeah. And then last uh, the trial is Chicago seven. I think Dale, you had talked about this a while ago and many of us had already seen it. Yeah. Um, man, that was good. Yeah. Just like, Oh, so good. I could not stop watching. I didn't care how long it was. It was good from beginning to end. Um, yeah. And yeah, I, I really enjoyed that. So thanks for the recommendation on that one. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. Aaron Sorkin is really coming into his own as a director and that, that movie is just, um, the movie's worth it for Sasha Baron Cohen alone, but sure. the rest of the movie is is very good as well. So, yeah, I listened to a DGA podcast about him uh, him talking to Fincher actually. So Fincher was interviewing him about Trial of Chicago Seven. Yeah, and just listening to him talk about the process and the fact that you know it was Spielberg that came to him first and asked him to do the film to write it, and then you know he didn't want to direct it. Had he known he was going to direct it, he might have wrote it differently. Mm-hmm. Just it's so fascinating to listen to them talk about their works and I really like that podcast because you can watch something. It's kind of what we do with, you know, watching something and then, but you get to hear the the filmmakers talk about it and their process and like the adventure that things go on. Um, hey, like, you'll have to send me yeah. that because I'd, I'd be interested to hear those two talk about just about anything. Yeah. So 
let alone and they just, about a good movie. <laughs> they just compliment each other over and over where Fincher's like, no, you're great. And he's like, no, you're great. And it's like, okay, guys, we get it. You're both great. Got well, they're, they're great on different <laughs> levels, right? Because Fincher is, is yeah. just an incredibly great director and Sorkin's good, but what he's mainly known for and what he's great at is, is writing. So yeah, that writing for that was superb. Yeah. Um, and the last, I, I don't know if it's the only other movie he directed, but the last movie I saw that he, that Aaron Sorkin directed was, uh, Molly's game. Yep. Which was good. And he, yeah. I need to check that one out. And then he is currently in the process of directing his next film. So yes, those are the only two he has directed thus far. Okay. So yeah, so I've seen, I've seen them both. So Right on. Well, uh, we watched a movie this week. It was called For Your Consideration. Um, I had actually not seen this before. Had anyone else seen it, not seen it? I'd seen it before. Okay. So, um, Christine, why don't you go first? What did you think of For Your Consideration? I thought it was interesting. It goes through that typical, like, watching people... Thing that Christopher Guest does, uh, where it's sort of like a mockumentary type deal, as you're observing these people as something big is happening around them. Uh, and then I really liked the the changes that occurred with the different characters as this Oscar buzz is happening, and this fake Oscar buzz, as yeah. it turns out. Um, Especially like with Marilyn Hack, uh, yeah, with Catherine Harris' face, yeah, exactly, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, of course, like later on in their careers, uh, two of the actors in this movie go on great face. By the way, Dale, um, I was trying to do like, yeah. <laughs> what she had, like Botox her face into, just as yes, <laughs> perfect. Um, and two of the main actors in this movie go on later to do Shit's Creek, and it was just great to see them yeah. in their previous roles. Um, and then I could tell from the beginning when uh, Brian, I think the character's name is, uh, he was talking about his process and what he was trying to do with the character i was like "Ooh, that's something to watch like he's not getting much attention from the big like oscar buzz but i feel like he's one of the characters that we should be watching and oh, then he yeah, kind the of one just, guy that does get nominated yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> and then he just fades into the background and then i when i first watched the movie i made some notes of like different things um like when she, when uh, Marilyn's doing that fainting scene, and the director is just like, "No, I want to hear that sound from the bottom of your womanhood." Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, "Oh God, no, <laughs> <laughs> no." And uh, definitely the favorite, my favorite character in the whole movie was the weather girl and her puppet monkey. <laughs> <laughs> so if you haven't seen it yet, um, you need to check out Family Tree which is a TV show that Christopher Guest did for HBO. It's on Amazon Prime now as well. Um, that girl is in it. I um, saw the first episode of that, and I need to watch more. Yep, she's in it. Chris O'Dowd is in it, and uh, Michael McKeon plays his, his dad. 
Um, so if, if you like her antics, then that's the show yes. for you because she's one of the main characters and <laughs> that ventriloquism thing is a big part of it. So <laughs> Great. That was my favorite. So I'm in. <laughs> well, I was the only other one of us that hadn't seen it before. Um, I've seen... I want to say the majority of Christopher Guest movies, um, Mighty Wind, Waiting for Guffman, uh, the uh, Best in Show, uh, This is Spinal Tap. Um, I've seen all of those for sure. I think there's a couple of things for me with Christopher Guest movies. One of them is I, I really have to be in the mood to watch one because you kind of have to you kind of have to adjust your, your standards for humor uh, as it's, you know, cause they don't, they don't write jokes for these things. So it's just whatever happened on set. And then they, you know, edit it down to the 30 funniest seconds or the 30 seconds that flow the best or whatever it ends up being. Um, I also feel like his movies work best when, it gets really focused on maybe three to five main characters. And I felt like this was so much of an ensemble cast that it kind of took away from the storyline of the movie. It was, you know, we're constantly cutting away to um, there's the two, uh, the two movie critic guys. There's uh, the, TV show with uh, Jane Lynch and uh, uh, Fred Willard. What's it? Yeah. yeah. Th- th- there's that, if that thing's going on. And so it's sort of like, it, it, it's hard to like, you know, Christine said that her favorite character was the, the weather girl who has basically an, an extended cameo in the movie. She's in like, you know, a scene essentially. And so like, for me, it was hard to kind of like really love any particular character. Um, that's not how I feel about like spinal tap. Like I like everybody in spinal tap and, you know, particularly the band members and, you know, um, if you twisted my arm, I would probably say that Christopher guest is the best, um, the best one in spinal tap. Nigel Tufnell is, um, the funniest and actually the funniest joke from spinal tap is not in the movie. Um, it's, uh, I found it on a deleted scene in a version of the spinal tap DVD that was taken off the market after 18 months. Cause they didn't really have the rights to use it. Um, and they've never released it again, but I got a copy. So <laughs> I, I have this, this extra bit of Nigel Tufnell, uh, uh, in the same scene where he does the whole, it goes to 11. There's like another joke in there that I think is the funniest thing about spinal tap, but it you know it's not in the movie um so it's not that i didn't like it it's it's that it to me it's in like the lower tier of christopher guest movies um very much in the waiting for guffman tier that's another one that like just doesn't really do a lot for me um best in shows a little bit better i think uh because you you do kind of it, it it's more sort of you know centralized around this one event and um and that sort of thing and then uh uh apart from spinal tap um a mighty wind i think really works because 
one, they're doing music again. And two, um, the little story they build around Eugene Levy and Catherine O'Hara is actually a really sweet little like love story thing that they do. That whole kiss at the end of the rainbow uh, sequence they do like actually adds a little bit of something to it. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm also kind of reduced to just talking about, um, the things that I decided to write down, um, for whatever reason, which were mostly things that I found humorous or, or thought was a hilarious choice or whatever. Uh, there's Ed Bagley Jr. as the shaman esque makeup artist, which is, I just thought it was hilarious. like, as soon as I saw him, I was like, oh yes, this is, this is great. Um, Christopher Guest looks like a cross between Charlie Kaufman and Malcolm Gladwell. And, and I was here for it. Um, that was great. Um, before I figured, before they like tell you what the name of the movie is or anything, um, I wrote down that, okay, so Harry Shearer is a deep Southern Jew. Because <laughs> um, <laughs> he's talking with this weird southern accent, but he keeps throwing in like you know mitzvah and and all these like Yiddish words. Um, Jennifer Coolidge's line: "Let's put an ad in the paper and say don't come." <laughs> I liked that. Um, also from her, um, or no, uh, uh, from from. So there was the critic that always liked everything, and the critic that always hated everything. And the critic that always liked everything had the line, it's about time nothing happened in a movie. <laughs> that, that was, that's just so perfect. That's so on brand for me. Um, it's about time that nothing happened in a movie. Um, and then I wrote down Home for Purim, which is an obscure, more national than religious Jewish holiday. Um, so it's a very odd thing to set a movie around. Um, the, uh, <laughs> this, this might've made me laugh the hardest was, uh, <laughs> was Michael and Michael McKeon makes me laugh pretty consistently in this movie. But, uh, I think my favorite line of his was, you don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. You just have a wet, critically injured baby. <laughs> um, and then the last one I'll throw out there, um, was from Ricky Gervais, who I was, um, surprised pleasantly to see uh, show up in a Christopher Guest movie saying, I'm a Gentile. I don't have a foreskin. I don't shove it down your throat. Just, just perfect. Uh, um, so that's kind of my, my, my feel on it. Um, it, it, it wasn't, it wasn't bad. Um, I probably won't go back to this one. Um, but it was good to have an excuse to watch it. So, Josh, what did you think? So, the first time I saw it, um, I definitely thought it was the least of his movies. Um, now, so, I, in a way, I agree with you, Dale, but Waiting for Guffman is actually my favorite of his. Um, That's fair. Yeah. And, I, I mean, the, the music aspects of Spinal Tap and Best in Show automatically make them the top for me. Mm. Cause that's sort of my, like, uh, I know those worlds and I know that there's like, you know, anybody who was in like <clears throat> a band or especially a metal band and especially in the eighties will tell you that 
this is Spinal Tap for a lot of people is unwatchable because it's so true <laughs> to how things really were. So, exactly, yeah. Um, <clears throat> something about the amateur theater production really spoke to me, and uh, yeah, yeah. And the the whole mockumentary setup, I kind of missed it in this one. Like there are elements of it, but it's more of a narrative um, than the other movies. Uh, you get a few times somebody's interviewing somebody else, but you don't get the talking head segments as much. Oh God! But that that interviewer, yeah, that just asked like the absolute worst, worst questions, questions, and then was like, "Okay, I'm done with you. Go away." Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Like Fred Willard. Like all my favorite parts were the smallest parts of the movie. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the periphery characters I thought were very, very funny. And then the core characters, uh, a lot of that comedy fell flat for me. Um, but uh, seeing it a second time, um, it just backed up my theory of the first time. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. I uh, And I noticed I, I did a little like Rotten Tomatoes and Box Office Mojo search. And this is like one of the first ones that went uh, rotten um, for Christopher Guest. Um, Yeah. yeah. And uh, I think he's the best when he's poking fun at small people with big egos, you know? Yeah. Um, But in Hollywood, everybody's got the big ego. I mean, that's how they got there, basically. Uh, and, And I just... A lot of it, it's Hollywood disappearing up its own ass a few times too many for me, um, it, which I feel like there's a lot of movies already like that. Um, yeah, this I I agree. And I'm not trying to not trying to interrupt. So no, much, you're, but, you're uh, good. But I'm but I was I, that's kind of my thought too. Is that the the subject matter I think hurt the movie like yeah. the the actual premise, you know, like trying to send up Hollywood in a mockumentary and then not, you know, really writing more than an outline, like doing it Christopher Guest style, doing it Curb Your Enthusiasm style. It just kind of feels like, you know, it it just feels so overdone. Yeah. And it felt like they leaned real heavy on uh, uh, people who are not Jewish saying Yiddish words. And that that was supposed to be funny in and of itself. Uh, See, and I thought they didn't do that enough. Really? Like, I felt like it, <clears throat> I, I felt like they did it enough that people noticed it, but I felt like, like every other line of dialogue that they showed being shot in the movie should have had one of those. It should have been, it should have been even more ridiculous <laughs> than it was. Okay, maybe that was it. Maybe it was too sparing. Maybe <laughs> I, I could agree with that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But yeah, Parker Posey, I usually love her. And so I was, when my internet went out just now, I was watching mascots to see if the downward trend had continued. And uh, something about the pure mockumentary style just works better for guests, I feel like. Um, but yeah. Um, anyway, I, it was, it, I laughed. So it wasn't a waste of time or anything. It's just. Um, just not my favorite Christopher Guest movie, but still better than a lot of comedies out there for sure. Yeah. So what the hell, Zach? Why did we watch uh, a Christopher Guest movie from 2006 that that no one seems to have liked? <laughs> yeah. What the <laughs> hell, man? So, so many better options, clearly. Um, 
I chose this one for a lot of reasons, actually. I am a, a Christopher Guest fan. I enjoy all of his works. Uh, you know, many of them, Dale, when you talked about, you know, it's like, yeah, of course, those are all, you know, fun ones to watch and, and really got me into it. Um, and this definitely was one of the ones that didn't really catch me when I first saw it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, what is it about the fact that I d- d- this one wasn't the one that really like, not that I expect every one of them to be, you know, the best of the best, but like, you know, it, it just was something was off about it. Uh, and so I thought it would be fun to watch to discuss. And then also because it is awards seasons and uh, this will be coming out much later, but the Oscars recently happened. And so I just thought it would be fun timing wise to, you know, um, talk about sort of that real world aspect with the Oscars, yeah. but also this film. Um so I was introduced to Christopher Guest films in high school. We watched Waiting for Guffman in theater class. Uh, we watched it for improv. Um, and I learned how to do improv when I was 14. And it was a freshman in, in high school. That was part of our curriculum. So immediately I was just like, I love this. I love improvisation because it allows you to be free and expressive and have fun with your character. And Waiting for Guffman, for me also, like Josh said, is my favorite Cause I'm a theater kid. And so, you know, naturally it's like, oh, well, yes, this yeah, it, is, makes, uh, <laughs> it makes sense. Yeah. And so of course for musicians, it, you know, it seems to carry the weight of that for them in terms of spinal tap. I'm sure if I was, a a, win, if so. I was a dog show guy that, you know, best in show would be my, <laughs> my favorite. Yeah, so. exactly. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, I continued to watch his films. And then I, when I saw this one around when it came out, yeah, it just didn't get me. Um, and I also, this was before I had moved to New York and started working in film production and also in Los Angeles working in production. Um, so for me this time around, I enjoyed it more. Uh, so it wasn't exactly like Josh's, but I enjoyed it more simply because of the fact that I was a part of that culture. I was a part of that industry. Yeah, I get those super duper up your ass inside jokes. Um, you know, like, uh, I love all the characters. I love all of the actors. And I think that there are so many fun moments and great lines. Um, but like, yes, it did land more. So like when you guys were talking about the fact that it's like, yes, this was kind of made for like just those people because of their own egos and their own lifestyles and all that stuff. And you're like, well, yes. And when you experience it firsthand, that like I have, it's like, oh, well, of course, this is why, like you said, Dale, the subject matter doesn't really work because it's such a, a niche group of people that'll kind of get it. It's right. like, okay, well, this is then for you. But even then, I still felt like you're right, Josh. It didn't really embrace that mockumentariness that is what he does so well. And so, like, it, it did feel more of like just watching a him slap together like a a film in a film kind of thing as opposed to like, you know, and I did an improvised mockumentary too. So even doing that on stage, you know, you you still like those talking heads are so vital. They're so important to the overall essence of the story so that you can figure out what the thing is that's really going on. It's not about this. It's actually about that. Right. And those moments are crucial to that. So yeah, yeah, structurally they're important, um, but it, it 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 just felt like to me, and I think I think what it boils down to is that so, you know the main the main cast of this movie is in my mind anyway is Catherine O'Hara, Harry Shearer, and Parker Posey. Um, those are like the people we're supposed to be focused on because one by one they all get nominated and they have the bulk of the screen time and all of that. Um. 
I think Catherine O'Hara does the best with what she's got. Um, like I, I connect with her character a bit more than the others. Um, you know, she's got the whole, like, you know, she's completely delusional. Um, you know, she's a delusional actress. Um, she doesn't learn the guy's name. None of them know how to use the internet. Um, all of that kind of stuff is, is fun. Um, her showing up to the, uh, the uh, late night talk show dressed in something that Jennifer Coolidge would normally wear. Um, <laughs> and with the completely insane, you know, Botox to, to hell face, um, that kind of stuff worked. I think like um, where the other characters didn't work for me is that I took Parker Posey just completely seriously at face value and, and nothing she did, said or did really made me laugh at all. But I could see where like, you know, somebody who's in the movie scene or someone who is an actress themselves might like recognize like how silly some of the things she says really are. And then with Harry Shearer, like I know Harry Shearer as like 40% of the voices on the Simpsons, Spinal Tap and, you know, A Mighty Wind and, and the other Christopher Guest movies. And so I think we were supposed to get a lot more, um, a lot more comic uh, mileage out of him being dressed as a hot dog. Where I was like, of course Harry Shearer would dress like a hot dog. Like, why wouldn't he do that? Like, they needed somebody in there who was like, you know, a big, like, upstanding, you know, serious actor that played that role and and it was completely ridiculous that they were putting them in that part. Like, you know, I, like Anthony Hopkins or, or, you know, just somebody with like a bunch of gravitas that, you know, has been relegated to being the hot dog man. Yeah. So it's interesting. You're talking about just like, you know, the people who are in those characters, because I kind of always have wondered how he chooses who's going to play what role. Like he seems to have a formula or a, you know, like a centralized, cast of people that he, he pulls into certain roles, but like even like Eugene Levy kind of takes a back seat in this one where he's been in the front seat for some sure. of the other films. And, and like, Michael McKeon as well. Yeah. So it just makes me wonder like how I, I almost feel like he just missed the casting on this one. Like I think it's good. Honestly, Zach, just, I think it's, I think it's an availability thing. I think all of these people want to be in Christopher Guest's movies, but if they can't commit to being, the star of the movie, then they just, you know, cause I, I, I would imagine that, that Michael McKeon could have been in more of this, but had other commitments, you know, sure. just as an example. Um, and I also think that to some degree, like, you know, he thought that Harry Shearer, Parker Posey and, uh, Catherine O'Hara would be a good enough core, for that piece of it. And then he could kind of flush out the other part of it. Um, I, I think there's a whole lot of potential for the hair, the, the writing team of, of Michael McKean and Bob Balaban. Like I would watch like another half hour of them, like figuring out how to write something together. Yeah. Um, and that, this was a short one too. It was only like an hour and a half long. So it's, le- it's way less than that. It's like, I think it's like 80, two minutes or 86 minutes or yeah. something like that. But again, it was like, I stopped at like every 20 <laughs> and yeah. took a break. Like, cause it was it, not like it was 
it was hard to watch or anything, but it was just like, like so many, you know, like the only reason like, and and this is maybe the worst thing that I've said about the the movie, but, and this is, but this is true. This is true about (laughs) anytime that you watch, you know, a comedy like this, when you don't know that something is a joke until they edit the scene. So everything that happens before an edit in a Christopher guest movie is a joke, right? That's the button. They're cutting it off before people either started laughing or someone else jumped in and said something that was less funny or whatever. And so after like 30 or 40 of those in a row that don't land and it moves on to the next scene, you're just like, Oh, Oh, okay. (laughs) All right. I'm going to lower my expectations some more. I'm going to go, I'm going to go find a soda. I'll, I'll pause this so I don't miss any of them, I guess. Yeah. A lot of good one-liners, but there's definitely the relying on the editing for people's comedic timing and sensibilities. So yeah. And, and, and filming improv and putting it out as a movie is always like that to some degree. And it's always kind of weird. Um, like I know there's, I know there's a lot of improvisers that would prefer that they are never filmed because they want you to remember what you, what you laughed at and what you thought was funny and not like actually sit there and pick it apart in detail. Because if you go back and pick it apart in detail, it's like, well, here's 20 better jokes than what you came up with on the spot. Like, of course there's 20 better jokes, but you weren't there on the spot. Like that's, that's the difference. Yeah, often after a show, we'll come off stage and be like, oh, what I should have said was, you're like, yeah, well, you didn't. And that's how the show went. And that's how they remember it. Yes. (laughs) Exactly. Well, um, Christine, it is your turn to suggest a movie for us. What would you like for us to watch next? I would like to watch uh, the 2013 film Violet and Daisy. Violet and Daisy. All right. That sounds good. Well, thanks, everybody, for the discussion here for For Your Consideration. We'll see you on the next episode of the Deeply Discussing Movie Podcast.